Since the beginning of time, people have always found creative ways of communicating. This is my way. I'm Kyle Leon Henderson, and we need to talk. certain age, just hearing that very first guitar riff elicits some type of emotion for you because Beverly Hills 90210 is the show that defined the 90s. And that's a big part of what we're going to be talking about today because unless you've been living under a rock this week, you now know that one of the biggest stars of the 90s of this show, Luke Perry, who played Dylan McKay, has passed away from complications from a stroke that he suffered late last week. If you're a person of a certain age that is a bit younger than those people who watch 90210, you will recognize him from the CW show Riverdale. He played Archie's father. But this show had a lot of very important memories for me, and I wanted to take take a moment to talk about him today. And I thought, well, who better to have the conversations about pop culture with than the person I have conversations with pop culture about pop culture with every night of my life. So today you're going to finally get to meet the better half of my world, Ethan. I'm here. I'm so excited to be here, finally, even though I've I've really been here the whole time. You really have. You, You listen to every episode before it launches and... But now my voice is here in the listener's ears. <laughs> here you are. You get to hear the sultry voice that's behind the chiseled good looks. Okay. I'm neither <laughs> chiseled nor sultry, but I'd love to be both. <laughs> well, I don't even... I think I'm a little bit too young to have really supposed to have watched Beverly Hills 90210 because I was born in 87. It started in 1990, the fall of 1990, and it ended in the spring of 2000. So it was the show that spanned the 90s. I mean, it was just like after not after um, the Y2K, 90210 ended. And so it was like, oh, so the 90s are really neatly packed away into the 90s. What if that's what Y2K was really about this whole time? <laughs> was the prophecy of 90210 coming to an end? But who knows? You know, I mean, it was a big moment for me. I was very sad. Um, but it was like a rocket um, this past sort of month. We heard 90210 is back this summer. The original cast is back together for the reboot for on Fox. It's the reboot network. So many reboots. So many reboots. Well, that's the thing. You're too young. You were born in 91. So by the time you came of age to really appreciate a show like this, it was already over. But the, they, they announced the reboot, and then two weeks later... Um, Luke Perry had a stroke, and I was like, oh, no, is he going to be on the reboot? And then he died. Um, And the world is kind of reeling. Like, you don't know that. Like, what do you know about 90210? Okay, so this is my moment to give you, the listeners, my caveat, which is his lovely introduction of me earlier, which is the person who he has conversations about pop culture with every night is a little bit one-sided because most of that conversation involves me going, I don't know who that is. I never saw that. Well, that's the thing. I'll say, well, so-and-so did something-something, and you'll be like, I don't know who that is. And then I'll force you to watch an hour's worth of videos about them and of them on YouTube. Yep. (laughs) So... Do you, you, like, what are you, you don't know anything about 90210. I truly don't know anything about 90210 other than the fact that it is set in Beverly Hills, California. Well, one of my um, customers at work the other day, 
she told me like I, we were going back and forth talking about um, talking about you know just stuff we were having a good conversation and she goes Luke Perry died and it riveted me to my core of just like no Dylan McKay he's been through so much he can't be dead and then I started telling all my co-workers Luke Perry died and they're like who's that yeah um, so your that, co-workers are mostly younger than me I'm the oldest person at my job and, um, yeah, so people who are, I'm 31, people younger than me don't know Beverly Hills 90210. That's why, surprise, surprise, starting this week, you and I are going to be binging it. Oh, really? Getting ready for the reboot. It's going to be sad, though, the reboot, I guess. I'm sure it will, because, you know, I, I had a thought about this today. Because the thing is, we had a little bit of Dylan McKay storyline, because let me give you some background. Dylan McKay... Well, okay. Actually, let me start even further back. The Walshes, Brandon and Brenda, who were twins, Jason Priestley and Shannon Doherty, the troublemaker of troublemakers. Oh, that's the other thing I know about 90210, is that Jason Priestley is a looker. Yeah. He didn't and age. And that's all I know. He didn't age so well. No, he didn't. Ian Ziering, like, who knew, not Ian, Ian Ziering, is, that's how you pronounce his name, who knew that Ian Ziering would be the one who, like, won the game of aging well from that group. Oh, I called it, though. When you showed me the opening credits, I was like, oh, him. He's the one that's going to be, like, mm-hmm. buff and hot like, yeah. throughout anyway. most of his life. Well, so, the Walshes, um, it's kind of, they're the hub of this show at the beginning. There's Brandon and Brenda. They move from Minneapolis with their parents, who are on the show as series regulars. And it all kind of takes place in the Walsh house. That's the hub. And then they go to school at Beverly Hills High. Or maybe, no, they go to West Beverly. Gotta get it right. Which, the exterior of West Beverly is actually the same exterior that Buffy the Vampire Slayer went to. Yep. Little trivia for you. Um, so... In the pilot episode, Dylan wasn't there. They needed a bad boy. So he's the bad boy. Here's the thing. When you start binging it, you're probably not going to like Dylan. But he's he's a bad boy with a heart of gold. I probably really like him. He's a James Dean. He's probably going to be my favorite. He looks like James Dean in the show. He's got the quaffed hair. I mean, he's everything. The eyebrows. He catches the... Well, and he's got this, like, mysterious gash in his eyebrow, too. And, um... Excuse me, I had to drink a sip of coffee because I'm about to get riled up already. Um, but no, so Dylan catches the eye of Brenda, the new girl in town, who she's a good little goody little goody two-shoes who is determined not to be a goody two-shoes. So she, of course, dates the bad boy, becomes best friend with the most popular girl in school, Kelly Taylor, played by Jenny Garth. There's always a Kelly in a 90s show. There's always a Kelly. Well, Jenny Garth auditioned to be Kelly Kapowski on Saved by the Bell. I could see that. Well, they couldn't. Because <laughs> she didn't get the part. So, <laughs> um, so she's best friends with the popular girl. And then, of course, the love triangle. I mean, it always happens. Between Jenny Garth and the other girl? And Luke Perry. Between Kelly and Brenda and Dylan. Ugh. It's riveting. I can't wait to watch it with you. Um, so, yeah, I mean, from from minute one, he's the bad boy playing the hearts of two girls. I mean, but you start to just fall in love with these characters. And Gabrielle uh, Carteris, who is um, the nerdy girl, is now the sag after president. Yep. I love her. She looks like a queen when she walks into a room now. She was actually 10 years older than all the other girls. Um, than all the other people. And now, like, now they're going back to it, and she's 58, where everybody else is, like, 49. And it's like, oh, that's a big difference. Yeah. I wonder if they're going to do some neck makeup. But I love her. She I looks good. She looks phenomenal. I mean, she's got that sag after president money. Pay those dues, honey. Um, yeah, so that was kind of... The first thing that happened this year, this week just started it off. Luke Perry has passed. You knew that I was going to be upset about it, didn't you? <laughs> you oh, saw yeah. it. You were like, oh, he's going to do it. Oh, yeah. What were your thoughts when he died? Well, literally, like, I saw in the news last week that he had had his stroke. Mm-hmm. And you told me that when I got home that day, you were like, did you see that Luke Perry had a stroke? And I was like, yeah, it seems like like he's so young. You know, I was surprised. 52. Yeah. And then uh, while I was at work... The day he died, somebody, we were at, uh, on our break, and somebody was like, oh my god, Luke Perry died, guys. 
and we were all like, it's funny because the ages... Because you have older people than you in your group. I so do have a couple. people know him in your group. I have like a couple who are older than me. Most of them are around my age and then a couple are younger. So the ones who are my age and especially the ones who are younger were like, who? Mm-hmm. But then me, because of you. And then the older ones were like, no! And then like right when I got out my phone to text you, you had already texted me. Mm-hmm. Luke Perry died, sad emoji. Yeah, I mean, I was just like, oh my gosh, this is awful. And everybody was, who, but that's the thing. So there's this love triangle in the show. And then, I won't spoil anything for you or the listeners, um, but when the re, when the spinoff reboot of 90210, not Beverly Hills 90210, just 90210 from the CW, with the fabulous Anna Lynn McCord, who plays the bitch better than anybody could ever play a bitch. She's the one that you liked because she said "Namaste, bitches." Oh. Um, there, Kelly Taylor, who was Jenny Garth, played the guidance counselor at the high school when that show started. So she kind of had some tie-ins, and then Brenda Walsh, who is an actress, I'll say that she's an actress. In her character as an actress, she came back to teach some drama classes at the high school. Um, and I think I kind of fell off watching it because I was like, whatever. Um, but I'm going to go back now. I'm going to get the whole story. Um, I think Tori Spelling came in as... De- oh, she did. She did because she and David were... Um, oh, I won't say that because that's a spoiler too. Ah, it's so hard. Or what? We're, <laughs> we're, che- we're cheating. We're married. We're- You'll just have to watch the shows and find out. But she came in talking about David. But um, she was in, the, in there. And basically, we got some of the Dylan story. Dylan was never on... The spinoff 90210. But Kelly had a son who might have been Dylan's baby. We never really know. We're going to find out that it is either Dylan's baby or Brandon's baby. The brother. There's a whole thing. I can't wait for you to watch it. So now I'm just like, I wonder what they're going to do. Um... Because I was hoping they would go straight back to that love triangle. Or actually love quad... Quadrangle. Quadrangle. Love Square. Between the twins and the Kelly and the and the Dylan or whatever. But I was thinking about it today. I was like, how are they going to do the spinoff, the, do the reboot? Or will they do the reboot? Who knows? Right. They might cancel it. Because, uh, I mean, if you don't have Dylan, you don't have the bad boy. You don't have the full package. But I thought, you know, they could start this show at Dylan's funeral. But why would they? What if Dylan's not dead? Right. Just because Luke Perry's dead does not mean Dylan has to be dead. But Dylan could just not be there. But, um, yeah, I, it's hard because that's the thing. Back in uh, the 90s, that used to be what you did. During the 90s, you would sit at home on Wednesday nights and wait to hear that guitar riff to go visit your friends in Beverly Hills. That's just what you did. And that was the whole 90s. And when you start watching it, You'll see the the costumes, the just everything, the hair, the cars. I mean, the opulence was, or the opulence of the '90s is a direct correlation from you know the the '80s, the big business or whatever. So, and there's no better place to go visit that opulence than Beverly Hills, Rodeo Drive right. in early '90s because big cities back in the early '90s were dangerous and dirty and not, but not Beverly Hills. Mm-mm. Fake boobs, swimming pools, and convertibles. That's that's what made me want to come, move to Los Angeles was Beverly Hills 90210. So I can't wait for you to see it. And I just wanted to take a moment to talk about it today because um, the last few episodes have been um, very themed thematic episodes with people teaching me things and showing me things. But this one, I just want to fangirl out for the whole episode. Over everything. Uh, Because that's what I do. That's what I do with you every night. (laughs) And this is what we do. I talk most, and then you just sit there and listen. Because I don't know anything. (laughs) So give me your thoughts. What do you... Now that you know you're going to binge 90210, what are you thinking? What do you think it's going to be like? I don't know. I mean, I think it's going to be long. And... (laughs) And, um... I mean... seasons. I truly know... Nothing about it, so... Well, what do you think, based on everything I've told you, what do you think you can expect? Well, he's told you there's a love triangle. I was going to say, it seems to be very, And Tori like, Spelling with her typeface. It seems to be very, like, 
teen soap opera. It defined teen soap opera. It reinvented the teen soap opera. And for me, the first show that I think of when I think of teen soap opera is Zoe 101. And I That's was a Disney like, show. Yes, it was. No, it's a Nickelodeon show, right? I think it was Disney. Britney Spears' was, Little Sister? Yeah. No, that was Nickelodeon. Well, I remember not liking it because I was like, what's happening? Like, this is supposed well, to be children so serious, and it's not. Well, I'll tell you this. One of the characters gets thrown into a pile of garbage and raped. Oh. It's not Zoe 101. Nope. Not quite. <laughs> but that's, I was going to, uh, yeah, that's the kind of, not that, but when I think of, like, 90s teen soap opera drama, I'm like, somebody's going to drive a red convertible off the road in the rain, and somebody's going to, like, get pregnant, and we don't know who by, and somebody's going to, like, somebody's doctor parents are going to have an affair and divorce, and they're going to move away, and, like... You basically defined the first five seasons right there. I'm a witch. <laughs> I, I, I swear I don't know anything. I, I can't wait anything. till you get to the obsession episodes hey. where someone is so obsessed with someone else they try to murder them. Oh. In a murder suicide. No. It's you're gonna love it. It's so great. It's like I mean it's I mean, and anybody who was anybody has been on Beverly Hills 90210 in the nineties. So was Julie Roberts on that or she went out? No, but Hillary Swank was. Okay. There you go. Enough said. Enough said. Milton, Bur- Milton Burl was. Was he? Yes. That's super weird. He won an Emmy for that episode. <laughs> I think. I know, he was either won an Emmy or was nominated for an Emmy for that episode. But I was, yeah. This show. If you because that here's the deal. People need to know about you. You make judgments about shows sometimes before you watch one episode. Mm-hmm. And then even after you've seen one episode, you judge the entire series based on that one episode. So I'm going to force you. I'm going to hold your face to the TV and make you watch this one because it's too important to me for you not to care. Okay. <laughs> but What that, am I supposed to do but watch now? Right. You're, you're accountable. There are dozens of people listening right now going to hold you accountable. <laughs> Ta-da! Ta-da! That's how it works, guys. That's how it works. Whenever you need something from your significant other, just start a podcast with them and then say on air to public people that you want them to do something for you. They're going to do it. Is that not real life? Mm-mm. I mean, it is now, I guess. <laughs> Welcome to 2019. Welcome to 2019, the year of... You don't say the first thing that came to your mind. You betcha. Don't say it. We don't want to talk about that anymore. What? I, I shall not say his name. Oh, that wasn't the first thing that came to my mind, but it might be worse. What came to my mind? I was talking to the listeners. Um, I'm sure. No, the first person. thing that came to my mind was like 2019, the year of me. And then I'm like, that's disgusting. But we're going to take a break because I'm going to go get another cup of coffee. And then when we come back, there is more loss to the television world that I am personally interested in discussing. Okay, we're back. So, this is a bit of a niche episode because would you like to describe your experience of me with television? Uh, truly, nothing is off limits. What does that mean? I mean, you watch most things <laughs> and enjoy most things. Like, and that's not a bad thing. Like, I think some people are very choosy and very, like, high-minded when it comes to what they decide they want to watch. I kind of feel like I'm a television snob. I just see things differently. Okay. Here's my... Here's what I see from you. You are a te- you are the television anti-snob. Your snobbery is against snobbery. Oh, for sure. That is true. But, but that's because a lot of people turn their nose up at things that have great value and that that kind of hurts my heart because art is so subjective and people speak about television very very 
negative black and white. Yeah, it's very black and white, as if it were an objective thing. And there's no way to. I mean, there are some shows that it's like, well, that's objectively terrible. For instance, everybody had a great old time ragging on uh, Mysteries of Laura. I didn't mind it. I thought it was enjoyable. See, I mean, and that's the thing. I don't think Mysteries of Laura was an objectively bad show. There are a few objectively bad shows. Like, I watched this one show. um, It comes on CBS Saturday morning, Mm -hmm. and it's called The Investigators, Mm -hmm. and it is funded by the government. Oh, good. And it's a CSI-type show that is all about the people who stop crime that is conducted through the Postal Service. Oh, my. I mean, it sounds kind of interesting until... Is it serious or is it funny? I think it's a little of both. Uh -uh. I I tried to see the first episode, and you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of the Sarah Jane Chronicles, if anybody... Or no, Sarah Jane Adventures. Um, if anybody ever watches the Doctor Who universe, that's what it reminded me of. Kind mm-hmm. of a kiddie show. Yeah. Of something very serious. Because Doctor Who is a family show. And then Sarah Jane Adventures is a very childlike show. And then, which is a spinoff of Doctor Who. And then there's another spinoff of Doctor Who called Torchwood, which is also an anagram of Doctor Who. And that show uses the F word and you see people's butts when they're having sex. And it's just a whole, like, a whole other... Spectrum. But anyway, I'm digressing. Mm-hmm. As one As you are wont to do. Yes. So let's backtrack. The investigators or the inspectors, that's an objectively bad show, I think. Okay. Um, but anyway, something the reason I'm saying all this is because I feel like, and you can speak on this too, I know more about obscure things about television than most people in my circle. Yeah. Would you think that? I would think that very much. (laughs) Like, something that I've noticed about you is, and I don't see it very much with other people, is that you are very much invested in the, like, the whole television consumery experience. Um, and by that I mean, like, we're not just going to watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer, we're also going to watch Angel. And you're not just going to watch Doctor Who, you're also going to watch Torchwood, and you're going to watch Sarah Jane Chronicles. Or Sarah Jane Adventures. Why do we keep calling it Sarah Jane Chronicles? I don't know, I think there was, there's also, there's also another show that I can't find called the Sarah Jane Alien Files. I think, I don't know. I don't know. Well, yeah, and then, like, of course, we watch I Love Lucy, and then you were like, oh, but hold on. This is just the tip of the iceberg. There's also Here's Lucy. There's also The Lucy Show. Mm -hmm. There's also all these, like, obscure cabaret performances by Lucy Arnaz, who's fantastic. Uh, She lives in uh, Palm Springs, and I've told everyone that if you find tickets to see Lucy Arnaz perform... And you don't buy me one. Our friendship is over. I will pay you back. I need those tickets. But anyway, do you do you feel like you are a little bit of a TV consumer in that way now because of me? Or, I do. Or you're just like, Kyle, make me watch this and it's fine. No, I do. In that there are definitely shows that I see now that I'm like, oh, I want to start watching this right now. And that was not really a thing that I would do before. Like, when we discovered Shit's Creek, I was like, oh my god, we have to watch this. <laughs> right, and I'd been I'd been kind of circling Shit's Creek for a while, but it's so funny. The world discovered that at the same time. We're a little bit behind, but yeah, for the most part, everybody at the same time was like, have you seen this show, Shit's Creek? It's perfect. Well, and so, th- to talk, to speak on those um, obscurities, I have very, very emotional attachments to people from television's past. Um, and which brings me to this whole thing. We've lost a TV legend this week or this past week. Uh, Catherine Helmond. People don't really know who she is, but she rose to fame on the television show Soap. But I was going to say, she's one of those people who you will say, I don't know who that is. Because I said that when you were, when you said Catherine Catherine Hellman, right? Mm-hmm. You said Catherine Hellman died. I said I don't know who that is, and you were like, yes, you do. 
And then you showed me who's who's the boss, and I was like, oh, yes. The the sassy grandma. Yes. Which, you know, that's the thing about Catherine Hellman. I wanted to take a moment to, um, to, you know, honor her, because she's not George Clooney. George Clooney started on ER as a very big television star, and now he's one of the biggest celebrities on the planet. Although we haven't heard a lot from him lately. Well, because like he finally got years. married. Yeah, and then I guess that's that's it for people. He's married to a serious <laughs> person. She, you know, she worked. She did work for the United Nations, but you know, Catherine Hellman, she her work in television should not be discredited to sassy grandma or you know diminished to that because on soap I showed you an, a scene from soap. She was talking about sex. Mm-hmm. She was talking about enjoying sex. And and how her mother didn't tell her that that was a thing that you could do. Right and. Even on and then on Who's the Boss, too, she played a woman who was very much in touch with her own sexuality mm-hmm. at a certain age. Yeah. She was the grandmother who was very in touch with her sexuality. That doesn't seem, that just seems like normal, you know, that seems par for the course to people your age and younger. And I say your age, but I mean, you're 27 and I'm 31, but... To people in the millennial age and then in the Gen Zers, that's just par for the course. That women own their sexuality. But in the 80s, that still wasn't the norm. I mean, people were owning their their sexuality, but not people of her age. I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. As it pertains to this, was Golden Girls out already or did Golden Girls come after that? Golden Girls came out after that show. That's what I thought. Mm -hmm. And it's funny that the reason I asked is because... Golden Girls, you know, one of the key points of the show was that it was centered around, quote-unquote, women of a certain age who were not only still in touch with their sexuality, but were, you know, unashamed and proud and enjoyed their sexuality. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't taken as a joke, really, ever. Like, even with Blanche Devereaux, who was so over the top, it was kind of taken for granted that that was her, that was how she was. Whereas with um, Catherine Hillman's character... It was kind of, in the clips you show me, I haven't really seen very much of the show of Who's the Boss. It did seem to me to Because be... DVD sales weren't high enough on season one, they didn't release the rest of them, and now you can't find them. I'm not bitter. Thanks, people of the world. Um, but yeah, it seemed as if, like, her, quote-unquote, woman of a certain age, who loved her, who was, you know, in touch with her sexuality, was kind of taken as a joke. Mm-hmm. But not necessarily... It was a joke to the audience and the audience alone. Like, right. the other characters didn't make fun of her for it. And she was very much like, what? This is me. Like, mm-hmm. that was her attitude in the show. Very proud. But the audience was like, oh, how silly. An older woman who wants to have sex. Well, and, you know, it's... I don't want to... Because some people like to put it in this box of, because Ellen happened, we got Will and Grace. And because of this, we got this. And because of the Cosbys, we now have young, Blackish, you know. Or because of the Cosbys, we now had Family Matters. We saw black people all over. People like to they they like to set they find it up the original. They like to set it up in a timeline because this happened. We got this because of this. that's the thing. Golden Girls didn't happen because of Catherine Hellman no. or whatever, and you know this and that because just because it came before that. But throughout television history, you do see people or do see women really owning their sexuality in a very boss lady way. Yeah. And um and there are some very like poignant instances of that like Blanche Devereaux and then going as far back as the uh into the mid 70s when Betty White was Sue Ann Nivens. She was a nymph- she was the neighborhood nymphomaniac. That's true. So they that that trope that character has always been there. But I think each time, up into a certain point, it's worth exploring that because that is something that is within... I mean, that's not what feminism is in a nutshell, but that was feminism. That was a, that was an, a piece of feminism. I kind of just thought about this just now. So let, go on this journey with me. Please, by all means. It's what you said just now is very true in that you can kind of see... In a way, the trajectory that feminism was going in, like the the zone that feminism was was in at that time in mm-hmm. history, by watching TV or watching the movies of that time, 
Because like you just said, that character, the, you know, the woman who was unabashedly sexual has always been there in TV and in films, but her role has changed. Mm -hmm. And I think in the era of like the 30s, 40s, 50s, going going into the 60s maybe, that was like a villain character. Of the vamp, you know, you mm. better watch out for her. She's gonna get you. Oh yeah, She's gonna for get sure. you in Even trouble. In I Love Lucy, women who owned their sexuality were not to be trusted. Right, exactly. Not with their husbands, not with this, you know. So, and then it became less dangerous and more jokey, mm-hmm. almost like oh how cute, mm-hmm. you know. And then it went from that to why does this have to be a joke? Why is this cute? Mm-hmm. Why is this not empowering? Well, and I think that was, I mean, Sue Ann Nivens. I, th- I think there, if you really look at it, and this is just me, you know, kind of bouncing around a theory, there's always two different types of women to, to play off one another. Sue Ann Nivens owned her sexuality, but putting, putting that against uh, Mary Richards owning her career. So yeah. it showed different parts of feminism. And... Even in Who's the Boss, Mona Robinson, who was Catherine Hellman's character, she really owned her sexuality, and she was proud of her sexuality, whereas her daughter was this single mother who was an ad executive. She was a partner at an ad agency. She was a boss lady. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think even... And you needed those balancing, you know... Make the fun of the the fun of the sexuality with the seriousness of the career and stuff, and I I think you needed that even up until and through the Golden Girls because all the women really owned their sexuality, but it was really the joke was Blanche how much she owned it, so much she owned it that it made it safe for B. Arthur's character and um, Betty White's character to kind of own it a little and be serious mm-hmm. and take themselves seriously. But that's the thing. B. Arthur, Betty White, and uh, Rue McClanahan, it's kind of um, it's kind of serendipitous that they all wound up on that show together because B. Arthur was Maud and she had the very first abortion on television. Um, the very first abortion storyline on television. She wound up having the abortion and that was the genius of Norman Lear. And then there was Betty White, who was Sue Ann Nivens. Like all these people kind of get wrapped up into these, like these women who are defying the mold. But I think Catherine Hellman did that too, but she didn't get as much notoriety as the others, but that's not to say she didn't contribute. Right, exactly. Sometimes it just falls that way for no fault of really anyone's. Well, and I, th- I think she made a career for herself that she was very proud of. Yeah. She she went on in the 90s to play, um, to play, she was actually a boss lady on Coach. She was the owner of a football team on oh, Coach. Oh, that's right. And then, and... Uh, the younger audiences may remember her from Everybody Loves Raymond. She plays Deborah's uh, mother from Everybody Loves Raymond into into her older age. So, um, with yet another boss lady person, Doris Roberts mm-hmm. as as Raymond's mom. But now, I just I really wanted to take a moment to just say, if you don't know Catherine Hellman, look her up on YouTube because she is the queen of the one liners. I was gonna say you will go down the rabbit hole. Oh, it's ha- it's hilarious. It. One of the one of the episodes that I remember so vividly was when she was on. She was going out on a date, and she was she. I don't remember the circumstances of where she was, why she was wearing this brooch, but she was wearing this brooch on her sweater, and uh, she's making this big deal about I'm wearing this brooch out. It's my beautiful brooch. It's something, something. I can't remember what it was, but she went on the date and then she came back from the date and the brooch was gone. And she was like, Oh no, it's gone. And so the whole family is like in the foyer area trying to look for the brooch. It must've fallen off. And she's down on her hands and knees looking for it. And her grandson goes, here it is, grandma. It's pinned to your back. <laughs> Do you get that? Uh-huh. Her sweater was on backwards because she had sex in the car. Yep. And that was just so hilarious to me. And, uh, you know, I could do a whole episode about who's the boss and why it's so fascinating and important because Alyssa Milano and Tony Danza. Um, and, you know, of course, the wonderful Judith Light, who her, she herself kind of went on to some pretty big notoriety. Mm-hmm. And that might be that might be what, you know 
society took from that episode or that show that she was the one who was doing all the greatness for femininity and feminism and, you know, the new woman. But I disagree if that is the final assessment. Catherine Hellman is a wonderful legend of television and she'll be sorely missed. But she was 89. So the tragedy is not as sorely felt as with Luke Perry, but it's always sad when we lose someone who just really knows how to tell a story. Yeah. So let's take another break and then we can talk about some things that I know you have some opinions about. Yay, opinions. So, I'm going to kind of let you take the lead on this one. Uh-oh. Because it's so, it cracks me up when you when you find something that you get an opinion on a about. On about. Oh, my gosh. And this one is a big one. Okay. The, the saga that is Jesse Smollett. Okay. Let's review. Tell me what, tell me what, review it for me. Are we going to go that deep? I mean... Because like you said, I got some opinions. Quickly, go ahead. Quickly, go ahead. Okay, so... For that was an Oprah moment. Quickly, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. Go, ahead. go, 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 go. Um, so for those of you who may not be aware, um, Jesse Smollett, which by Again, the way... Again, if you've been under a rock. It is Jesse, J-U-S-S-I-E, not Jesse, which I did not know until this started happening and his name was everywhere. Well, then perhaps his job is done. <laughs> what if that's what this was? What if all this was just a... Ploy for because he was sick and tired of being called Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's about to go to prison, so <laughs> yeah. um, he is an actor slash singer slash activist, um, known for his work on Empire as help Jamal Lyons. But what people might not know about Jesse Smollett is that he is actually television royalty from the TGIF. Era really because he was on a show m- that ran the same time as Full House, Family Matters, Step by Step, all the all the big you know TGIF shows called On Our Own, which was um, th- it starred the as um, uh, as a family of orphans: JoJo Smollett, Jazz Smollett, Jesse Smollett, Journey Smollett, Bell. Journey Smollett, Bell was. The black girl who was Michelle Tanner's friend on Full House, so people might remember her. She was a Smollett. There was also Jake Smollett and Jacquee Smollett was on this show, but it was head by Ralph Louis Harris, who um, played their older brother, I think, but to keep them from being separated and going to orphanages, he dressed up like their aunt, their aunt (laughs) Jacinda. Aunt Jocinda, she he would go and drag wow. whenever the the um the uh social worker social worker would come, she'd be acting like, Hello, I'm actually Aunt Jocelinda. You know, so Jesse Smollett has been in television most of his life. Um, but now he's on Empire. So see that's my that's my portion to bring to it. The tidbits of television. Right. But anyway, continue. Well, you say he's on Empire. He's not really on Empire anymore, I don't think. Well, they cut the rest of his episodes. And they... For this season. He was invited not to return to the set. Oh, was he? Yeah. Like, full on? No, no thank you. Mm-hmm. Ooh, what um, does Cookie Line say about that? You know, I think they've been pretty quiet. Except for Lord Crazy, Crazy Head himself. Who? Terrence Howard. So, okay, when you say crazy head himself, do you mean the character or the actor? Both. Why are you calling Terrence Howard crazy? Because apparently he's crazy. I don't have any personal stories, but people in Hollywood say he's crazy. <laughs> you always do this, though. You're like, he is psycho. Give me receipts. Well, I don't have any, but I know it. In my bones, he's psycho. You'll have to ask so-and-so. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, so what happened? What, what happened was... Um, Which, honestly, let's go through the highlights. Let's not go through the whole story, because if you want to know the whole story... CNN. Google it. Yeah. Um, Basically, long story short, Jesse Smollett was attacked on the streets of New York 
uh, by these two guys in masks. Chicago. Chicago, not New York. I'm already wrong. Um, <laughs> I'm going to try not to do the normal thing where I correct you every step of the way. Well, that was just a wrong fact, so please do. <laughs> um, attacked on the streets of Chicago um, by, two, by these two guys in masks who were allegedly wearing MAGA hats. And well, it's actually allegedly masks, too, at this point. I thought they were wearing masks. Well, I don't know. Like, who knows? That's the whole point. Oh, you didn't know that they were not wearing masks? Huh? You didn't know that they were wearing masks? You just assumed? (laughs) Okay. Anyways. Continue. um, Allegedly wearing MAGA hats. (laughs) Allegedly yelling, like, this is MAGA country, calling him the F word. The N word and the F word. And the N word, yeah. Um, And they attacked him physically on the street. um, And then ran off. Uh, and so he... And they, and they said later that there was a rope around his neck. Yes. There was a rope around his neck. Um, and then, like, so these details started coming out. And basically after the attack, nobody really knew what was going on until somebody said, turns out um, this might have been orchestrated by Jesse Smollett himself. But at first, the only receipts that they could come up with for that were that, well, it looks like these two guys bought the rope at an Ace Hardware store two days before. And I was like, why does that mean that it was orchestrated by him? Like, what does that... Nobody has a rope just laying around for years, and they're like, you know what? I'm going to use that rope to strangle a man on the street today. <laughs> like, anyway. Well, and t- apparently, I would read this, too, that there was a letter sent to him that was very racist and very um, homophobic. And the the whole thing is, like, they're saying he was upset that that letter didn't get enough notoriety, so he orchestrated this attack. Okay, and this is the point that I've been trying to make to you, and you still don't, I think, really believe it. What? Which is that the letter was written by Jesse Smollett and sent to himself at the set. That's the thing. Nobody can say... Because he turned himself in to the police, but they never said, he said he did it. They just said he turned himself in. And I'm like, because he's saying that he did it? But I mean, like, why would you turn yourself in to the police if you didn't do it? Well, so, let's tell the rest the of the story. Thing. Go ahead. So, yes, apparently there was... This is the point that we're at now in the, in the case, is that um, this letter was sent to the set addressed to Jesse Smollett that had all these terrible things... That said all these terrible things and it said that he was going to be attacked. It had some unidentified white powder in it. Um, and it was brought to the attention of, you know, the Fox executives, and they kind of, like, were like, we're going to launch an investigation, and then didn't really get back to anybody about it, mm-hmm. which pissed Jesse Smollett off, so then he orchestrated this attack. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, it, further, it later came out that, allegedly, Jesse Smollett sent the letter to himself just to kind of see what would happen, and then when nothing really happened, he was like, we'll take this up a notch then. Um... So then he, like, paid these two guys who were extras in an episode of Empire. Well, one of them was his, well, I mean, he was an extra, but he was also worked at the gym where Jesse Smollett works out. He was, like, a trainer. Yeah. So um, he kind of had multiple, like... Links. Links of interest to him. Which doesn't look good for Jesse. Well, so, all that being said, what are your thoughts? My thoughts are, number one, girl, we don't need you. We don't need your help. If this is what you're... Because tr- he... I said activist in his list of credentials because he is very activist-y. Mm-hmm. He's very... Um, speak out. Speak out for the LGBTQIA plus community, but also for the African-American community. Um, and, and now both communities are like, let's hang back and see how this works out. Exactly. Like, this is... And it's just always so unfortunate when things like this happen, where somebody decides to become a vigilante and take matters into... A vigilante and a martyr at the same time. Mm -hmm. First of all, calm yourself down. Get yourself off your high horse. Like, you are not the savior. Um, So... And this is usually the the point where I play devil's advocate against all your thoughts. But this whole yes, Jesse Smollett, do that. I really, I don't mean to. Like last night, I did that with RuPaul. <laughs> yeah, you sure did. But I found an article that I'm going to make you read later. Or I'm going to read to you later uh, about why it's not has nothing to do with RuPaul. But anyway, um, yeah, this is usually the part where I start decompressing everything and and taking apart your theories. 
to tell you why. Well, and you still have done it a little bit. You've been like, well, why would he turn himself? I tried. But you're like, well, he turned himself in, but we don't know what that means. (laughs) Yes, we do. You turn yourself in when you know you've been caught. That's more of a, a, a comment on the people telling the story. But like I said, this is where I try to like play devil's advocate. I got nothing. I mean, yeah. this looks real bad. It's rough. <laughs> so I mean, I just I don't and know. And then the I mean, only other like the other aspect of it that just looks rough. And I mean, I don't mean anything by this. Obviously, like it just looks bad when he said something in that uh, Robin Roberts interview that was so emotional and so like he and was he cried. He was so like in his like in himself in that interview. He, like, had her eating out of his hand. Um, I don't know. Robin's pretty smart. She She's probably like, I'm going to hold back. I'm black. You're right. So You're right. I'm going to hold back and see how big these alligator tears really are. He said. But he had us eating out of the palm of his hand. But here's the thing. This is, he even, like, sort of told on himself a little bit. Because in the story that he originally told, he was like, they were wearing masks. They were wearing masks. Mm-hmm. And he said in the interview. Um, it's just, the MAGA hat that, they, that wasn't real. Well, and he also said, I just feel like if this was a story about uh, a black person attacking me or, like, a Middle Eastern person attacking me, this story would be going a lot in a different direction. Mm -hmm. But it was two white people who attacked me, so nobody really wants to talk about it. And the two brothers were black. From, like, Nigeria, right? Yeah. Like, actually Nigerian. Mm -hmm. Um, And, but that's what I mean, like, he's telling on himself, because... You, like, if you said that they're wearing masks, but then you turn around and say, well, they were white, you make an assumption at this point, or you're lying. One or the other, you know? Oh, no, yeah. There's, like, 16 different versions of the story. Well, because, like, people were saying, oh, I thought nothing of it because they were wearing ski masks in Chicago in the middle of winter, which is a true fact, but, I mean... Right. Now, the plus side of all this. Have you been following Ellen Page? Throughout this whole thing. Oh my gosh, where did she come from? What did she, she say? Has so many thoughts about it on Twitter. Well, she is a she's a very, very opinionated lesbian. She is, and she's basically coming at it from the perspective of we shouldn't let this distract us from the fact that actual hate crimes happen to actual people every day. Well, see, I saw someone else saying that. They're like, there's enough people getting attacked in the streets for being gay or black that you don't have to make this up. Right. Just go champion someone. Right. Or is that your goal? You want to be the victim because, you know, Eon LeVan Zandt. That's what I'm saying, martyr and hero. Eon LeVan Zandt always says you get that something, something mm-hmm. from being the victim mm-hmm. that you get to overcome. And, you know, Jesse Smollett's been in television his whole life. Mm-hmm. He's had a showbiz family that's worked real hard. He's, um, he's, he's never really had to, like, struggle to be in the public eye. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure, I mean, that's the thing. I don't want to make assumptions that he's always had it made. Right. Because that's not fair. Careers are not careers are not set in stone after you've had a success which, let's be honest, on our own was not that big of a success. It lasted one season. But, um, he's been doing stuff and he's a phenomenal singer, but I don't know. I mean, it just, it, the whole, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. And, you know, I really loved him. He was my favorite actor and character on Empire when I was watching it. But I don't think anybody that I know still watches that show. But I, I would thought about getting back into it. And I'm sure that it has an audience because I still watch Grey's Anatomy. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll see what happens. But. Yeah, I think now we're just waiting for, you know the proceedings to begin when it comes to that so that's pretty much all that was on my mind today and that like i said this is a little bit less of a structured episode but before i go i do want to say oh we, we have thoughts i have a hand raised i have a question teacher <laughs> um you may speak i'm dropping this on you in the moment so feel i love these moments so feel free to take this in either direction you choose um, I, I just saw this new in this article earlier while you were setting up about um, Claire's, like the kids' jewelry store. Uh-huh. And Don't tell me they're closing. They're not closing. Oh, they've been bankrupt. They filed for Chapter 11 oh, last year. Oh, no. But they just got into some more trouble. For, for what? For asbestos in their makeup. Oh, my gosh. Yep. How bad is that? I mean, it's cancer. It's cancer powder that you're putting on a kid's face. 
Oh no! I yeah. gotta tell Megan Eden uses that stuff all the time. No, you you call her as soon as we're finished here. <laughs> but let us finish here first. I think Eden really likes the the jewelry and the and the accessories more though. Well, there's not asbestos in that. That's just plastic. Right, but I, I think that's why Eden does that. But yeah, it was in certain eyeshadows. And she does the nails too. Certain eyeshadows, certain pressed powders, and certain contour kits. Which let's all calm down, America, if we're making contour kits what? for six-year-olds. Yeah, like why are? I mean, I, that's not really. I mean, it's kind of like. What is it called? What do they call it? Twains? 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 Yeah. Is that what? It's you just said three times. Is that what it's called? Say it more. Tween? Like, it doesn't sound right. Am I too old for it? To, like, you know, words that just, you can't, like the bell, you can't hear the bell ring when you get to be an adult from... Polar Express? <laughs> yeah! That was a deep, a deep reach. <laughs> but you know, it's like, tween, tween pre-teen, <laughs> tween. Is that what it's called? <laughs> is that, no, is it, is it just a preteen? It's like preteen. It used I to really be. hate moments where I show my age and I'm not, like, trying. I only heard tween, like, when I was a tween. You know, I think that was... Stop saying that word! It sounds so gross! It does, doesn't it? That's not the right word, is it? Not anymore. I For preteen, pre it's tween. Preteen. Why, why, why did they say tween? Because you're in between. That's why? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I hate it even more now. I'm going to cringe. I am cringing. I'm not planning to cringe. <laughs> I'll cringe later about I'm going to cringe about this. I'll think about it later and cringe. But it's not like six-year-olds doing it. It's like girls who want to like start asserting their like independence. Because Eden, like, she's 11, about to be 12, uh -huh. and she started wearing the press-on nails, and they look fabulous. Um, and she started getting some of the accessories. I think she got some lip gloss, but yeah. I don't think she started the makeup thing yet. But well, I think love her. I think that's she's a, so. Oh, you love your your niece. I do. That's nice. I mean, but no, I'm just I'm excited because she's very. She's coming into her own. She's coming into her own idea of what it means to be feminine, yeah. and that's exciting. Yeah. But that's not very exciting for Claire's. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. The FDA today. The end of an actually, era. Yeah. The FDA actually today came out with that information. Um, what's interesting about this to me is that um, under ordinary circumstances, uh, oh no no no, what I read was that, and this is weird to me. The FDA needs to do some overhauling about how they do things. Let's not go into this. Because, no, no, no. <laughs> because I don't uh, want to do government talk. I'm just going to say, because um, the FDA cannot order a company to, um, to like, withdraw products from the shelf. They can't? Nope. Why? Uh, they can, that's what I read. That's all they can do is say, hey, we did these tests and your Just products... Just so you know. Your products have asbestos in them. Well, I and mean... Then, to well, be what happened also was... Because, what's interesting for Claire's is because they're under Chapter 11 bankruptcy, part of your part of the benefit sort of of claiming that bankruptcy is you are protected against any litigation. So nobody can sue them. Oh, wow. Yeah. I wonder if they knew. Right? That's what I'm saying. Oh, that's crazy. wonder if they knew. But to be fair, like, if they can't sell makeup anymore... I don't know anybody who ever bought makeup at Claire's. I know people who bought earrings. I have gone with friends to get their ears pierced at Claire's. I have shopped for earrings myself at Claire's. Didn't find anything I needed. Um, I mean, it's a thing that, like, you know, moms, moms do for their, like, you know, like, But I that's mean, what like, I mean. People buy the know, accessories. Like, makeup. Do they? Yeah. I guess I'm just out of it. I guess I need to go adopt it's a It's like dress-up makeup, you know? Like, you know, oh, it's, she likes to play and it makes her feel grown up to like put lipstick and eyeshadow on but it's just like just little tiny dusts of well, color. Well now she gets you know? to feel grown up because she's going to be battling cancer. Well that's dark and sad. So good for you for saying that. Yeah I kind of regret it. But Yeah we took a turn. <laughs> and so on that note. On that glorious note. <laughs> um, I am so glad you came on the show. Thank you so much. It was fun. I'm glad that everybody gets to see you. And that, like I said, this is just, this is how conversations in our uh, house go every night. Yep. Um, some of the conversations I just kind of sit back and go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, I know. Yeah, me too. And then some of the conversations I sit up and I get a sassy voice and I got lots to say. <laughs> so it's that time again before we go. Call to action. Do you have any recommendations for people? 
Um, you caught me off guard. <laughs> Take a moment. Prepare yourself. Do you have any recommendations? I do have recommendations. First of all, I recommend that everyone go watch the music video for the Jonas Brothers' new song. Because the Jonas Brothers are back. I was going to talk about that today, but then I knew that you had big opinions for Jesse Smollett. And so I just... Let the Jonas Brothers go by the wayside because Nick Jonas is married to Priyanka Chopra, whom I'm obsessed with. And you know she wears the pants in the family, and I love that. Does she, though? I don't know that she does. I think they have an equal opportunity partnership like you and I. In real life day to day, I for sure see them as equal partners. In certain private situations... I see her as being in charge. And well, I she's see, 10 years older And I see than him now. as loving that. Oh, yeah. That's probably true. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, go watch the music video because all three of the Jonas Brothers have all three of the women that they're partnered with because both Kevin and Nick are married and Kevin, what's his name? Joe. Joe in the middle. He's engaged now. Is he? So, that's yeah, that's brand new information. Go watch the video. It's very beautiful. And another recommendation that I have is if you haven't been following the story of Selma Blair, who, again, from the 90s, she is 90s and early 2000s. She was in Legally Blonde. She was in, um, uh, what's that movie called? Uh, Cruel Intentions. She was, a, she was an it girl of the late 90s, early 2000s. She has been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And she also sat, did a sit-down interview with Robin Roberts. And that was surprising and heartbreaking and sassy and inspiring. And I just, I can't wait to learn more about Selma Blair and her journey through multiple, scler- multiple sclerosis. Um, but yeah, start with the Robin Roberts interview on... Um, and go from there because it is just so inspiring. All right, you, do you have any recommendations? I do, I have two. Okay. First, uh, the music group Japanese Breakfast, highly recommend if you what? don't know about them. Who is that? I love them, they're wonderful. It's just like a girl, and actually, I'm pretty sure that Japanese Breakfast is technically a group, but the front woman of that group has also released like solo stuff. Um, but yeah, I discovered them, uh, through Spotify at work and, uh, I love them. They're like indie pop, indie, like, like chill indie kind of music. And they're called what? Japanese Japanese Breakfast? Breakfast. That's a fun name. I like that. So I'm going to go check them out today. I also recommend stretching in the morning because Mm. I've started doing, uh, morning stretches because of work, yeah, um, and various training training things that uh, I'm doing at the moment. Because I forgot to say this, mm-hmm. you are a very, 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 very talented esthetician. Oh, thank you. By trade, and I'm currently training at a new job. Um, I don't know if I'm at liberty to. Say I was about to say yet. after train after you because you're training right now. You're going through the rigorous process because you just got hired on with a very prestigious spa. Yes. And uh, we're excited about that prestigious spa money. Yes, we are. And um, so, yeah, after you're done training, I will plug you like crazy. Oh, thank you. At that space. But anyway. I'll take it. And if you're in the Los Angeles area and you know of a prestigious spa chain, you probably know where he works already. Mm-hmm. Or um, we'll soon be working. Well, you're getting paid as we speak. That's true. Um <laughs> But yeah, uh, so because of that training, uh, and they're very aware uh, of self-care and taking care of yourself on the job, um, I've started just doing stretches more, Mm -hmm. and you can totally tell the difference. Well, I'll tell you, the same happened to me. I was starting my new job as the barista, and on your feet all day, everything... My back has started getting so stiff, Mm -hmm. and it was pain... Not really super painful, but... I thought, oh no, I've got some back pain, but I started doing, I mean, I've always done yoga sporadically and I've always said I need to make this more about, more in my daily routine and I did, I've started doing solely for flexibility for right now and it's made a world of difference for me too, so let's do stretches. All right. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, then go back and listen to all the other ones. And um, stay tuned. Next week, there will be a bonus episode. 
If you go back to the very first episode, you will hear the story of how the show kind of came about. It started as a show called Kyle's Friends Are Funny and then developed into this. Well, Ethan has done a Kyle's Friends Are Funny episode, and next week I'm going to be releasing that as a bonus episode. Um, It's very topical. It's about the Oscars in, I think, 2015, maybe, 16? I can't remember. It might have been 16. But it's very topical, but you also get to hear some of the conversations that I was having years ago, and you get to hear some of the relatability between me and Ethan, and it's just fun. If you like being part of somebody else's conversation, give it a listen. And if you want to join the Facebook group, you can always... Uh, give us suggestions of what you want to talk about or also comment on some of the things we have talked about already. Do you want people to follow you on social media? Yes. Uh, just Instagram. That's all I need in my life. You're so uh, young. Ethan H. Ham. Ethan, Ethan H. H-A-M-M. And if you want to follow me, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle L. Henderson, on Instagram at Kyle L. Henderson. On that note, let's go watch Beverly Hills 90210.